Hello, everybody. How are you guys? Adam Lefko here in the flesh with the main man. He's wearing a collared shirt, and the top button is always secure. Christopher Sims. I like you very much. I like you too. Uh, click share on Facebook to share with all your friends. If you're listening on the iTunes, we always appreciate it. Subscribe, share, comment, five star reviews. I read all of them on Wednesday's editions of the podcast. And some of them are already awesome. Are they this week? Oh, yeah. It's to the point where I have to collect them all week because there are so many that if I wait until the day of, I'm not going to get to them. That's a good problem. We're though. over 200 five stars. It's awesome. My mom just commented, everybody's here, she wrote. You want to shout out to my mom? Be careful. Yo, yo, Sharon! What's hey. up? I love Sharon. We have a uh, pack show, the guy behind Sims. We're going to talk about Obel Beckham Jr. We have a... Very active Sims Raw reactions. Uh, and then we have to have a Colin Kaepernick discussion. Sure. And we have to have a John Gruden discussion. Ah. We're doing all of that today. Very packed You know what podcast. you are, Sims? You know what you are? Uh, You're like warm piss running down my leg. <laughs> That's what he told me. Once. Let's start off with Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, first of all, we said on this podcast a few weeks ago that three guys in the NFL should hold out. Odell... Uh, Anton, Anton, oh, excuse me, Le'Veon Aaron Bell. Donald and Le'Veon Bell. There you go. And all three are holding out right yes. now. All of them. Uh, I don't know why Le'Veon Bell is. He can't actually get a deal done. Well, I just Odell's think- not holding out. Odell, you're right. But Odell's there's there. contract. Well, talks. yes, because they've done a Giants have done a good job of kind of brokering that gap there. In my opinion, I didn't mean to cut you off mid No, I'm there, actually but. distracted by the AC. Uh, Should I keep it on? Well, I'm distracted by the sweat running That's off your forehead, so I don't know what to uh, say. All right, so here's what's happened thus far in Odell I mean, Beckham. a little crowd noise is going to get to you already? I, mean, I know, dude. Come on, Carson Wentz Jr. Don't, do not Jeez, insult Carson rattled. Wentz. Uh, all right, so Brandon Marshall has come out when asked and said Odell is the best player in the league because Odell came out and said, I want to be paid the most money that's ever been paid. John Mara, John Mara came out and said, we want to pay Odell. Yes. Uh, and then here's a look at some of the highest paid ranking guys. Derek Carr, $25 million. Andrew Luck, 24.6. Carson Palmer, 24.4. Breeze, 24.3. Kirk Cousins currently at 23.9. Uh, There was the Mike Evans quote where when asked about this, Mike Evans said, Odell Beckham is the face of our league, but... I didn't see that. But... Yes. Quarterbacks are the most invaluable position in sports. Right. He is the face of the NFL, but I don't know if he should be the highest paid player. He goes on to say that quarterbacks are the most invaluable position in sports and that Odell should be one of the top three paid wide receivers in the NFL. Right. Uh, let me excuse Mike Evans for not realizing how important this contract is to him. Yes. And that shut your mouth, let Odell get paid more so that you can get paid more. Right. But I appreciate the man answering it He honestly. gave a real answer. Yes, that's right. Factoring in, do you think that Odell should be the highest paid player in this league? No, I do not. I, listen, I, I, to me, the, the two positions that should be the highest paid are, I think, the two we see. That's the quarterback and defense end. I think they're affecting the game the most on a play-by-play basis, especially the quarterback position, especially this day and age in the NFL, even more pressure on the quarterback than before. Then let me but, ask you this. Yes. So we always have to be comparing. Right. Why a quarterback makes a certain amount, I don't know why that impacts a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. 
My question is, you see what this dude has done. You always bring up that he's on pay on pace to break every Jerry every record, record ever. Right. So you're tell is he worth twenty five million a year? I think he's in that ballpark. I don't know if I'm gonna say that no, like if we're gonna say Aaron Rodgers and Matt Stafford are worth twenty five million, no, in my eyes, uh, you know, Tom Brady put him in that group too. In my eyes, no Odell Beckham Jr. is just a notch below that. I do think he should demand quarterback money. I do think the New York Giants are stupid and should start doing this contract right now so that they can maybe save a million or two a year on his final value instead of him going out and having another amazing year and then going, damn, we might actually have to make you the highest paid player in the NFL now. Right now, he is a talent to me that is deserving of – and what 18, number? 18 number. to 20 million dollars a year as a wide receiver. So you want him getting the same money as like Andy Dalton. He you know which is you know it shows I get you it. the difference in position. No doubt about it. But 18 yes. to 20 million would be a big jump over all the other receivers. There's and- there's games and moments where it's not always Odell Beckham Jr.'s fault, but that he doesn't have an effect on the game maybe as much as a top-tier quarterback. So that's where I get in that argument. But yes, I'm glad to hear people think it's funny because I feel like it, it, the haters are finally going away with recognizing Odell Beckham Jr. I feel like now some of the people are like, no, Antonio Brown's better, and Julio. Like, I think you're starting to hear NFL players are saying, no, this is not. So this an- is not a conversation. Antonio got 17, is yep. getting 17 a year. AJ's getting 15. Julio's getting 14. Des is getting 14. Then a bunch, and then 13. And then he drops to Doug Baldwin, who is so the- 20. He should get 20. 20 is where you're feeling. He's younger than Antonio Brown. Yep. So anywhere, yeah, 20 to 21. And he's and he is to me again. He is. There is a separation between Odell Beckham Jr. and Antonio Brown. And I'm not trying to say Antonio's bad. I know a lot of people get on me for that. Yeah, I, I, I just think Odell Beckham Jr. is a guy you can line up in one spot all game and go, stop him. I don't care who you do, double cover, triple cover, good yeah. luck. And you can't do that with Antonio Brown. They move him around, like we've said so many times, and so do all those things. So the benefit— But it's a good guy. Co- I don't I mean, maybe the, I'm wrong. I don't the know. The benefit of the Giants possibly waiting right. is with Brandon Marshall and Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard and all these guys, maybe his numbers go down a little bit. Sure. I doubt it's going to help the contract negotiation. Mm-hmm. Other problem with the Giants is you're eventually going to have to transition to a new quarterback. Yes. And so for all the people wondering, oh, wow, are they going to be able to afford this? When Eli's contracts come off the books, there's a lot more money to play with, especially if you go with a young rookie quarterback on a three- to four-year like rookie wage scale. That's pretty awesome. Right. I'm not sure if he's on the, on the schedule already or on the, the roster. Uh, my other thing with Odell Beckham is waiting. How much scarier is it to wait with him? I, to me, that's just where, mentally right. That's where they're ro- they're rolling the dice and all those things. He's not going to be able to go out there and play freely in his mind once it goes week five and he starts going. Man, I have a, some good things going, but I'm a little banged up. Uh oh. You're going twenty million. I think the other thing that's interesting is. Yeah. Janoris Jenkins has come out and said he's the best player in this league. Brandon Marshall, John Mara, all the Giants are saying he's amazing. And then I look over at Le'Veon Bell, and I got Mike Tomlin won't even talk about him. I got Antonio Brown saying he should be here. It's really interesting how two of the, you know, starting franchises, the NFL, what do you got here well, for me? Well, no, nothing. I, I just want to... Just handling it differently. Handling it differently. And I think this is... We have a little inside look at this, and I, I know this because I know some people with the Giants as well, of course. And this is to me, like, because I've had a lot of people on radio or even other NFL people, like some of my coaching friends, they go, 
why would John Mara say those things about Odell Beckham Jr.? He's not giving himself a chance to really negotiate. Like right. He's kind of backed himself in the corner. And my answer to them is always this. You, you have to live here right now to understand, I think, the beast of Odell Beckham Jr. Like You might live in the middle of America or California and think, oh, yeah, Odell is really famous. But up here in New York, he is on the cover of the paper almost every day. Or he's certainly one of the biggest Sims, stories. he's international. That's what I mean. He's international, and he's even bigger here. And the Giants have the face of their franchise for years and years to come. And added to what I was just about to say is we've seen Justin Pugh. Yep. I've heard, talked to a number of other players, whether it be Brandon Marshall, Eli. Odell is loved in the locker room. He's loved and the Giants are in a corner from that standpoint, too. That's why John Mara, I think, had to come out and make those comments to basically yeah. say, we recognize the love and this, how it good this guy so is. It is so funny, at the end of a contract, how all the good things are seen as bad things. How you every franchise in the NFL would kill for a top-wide receiver that is loved by their team, is always in the top in jersey sales, and is an international star in a league that is stuck in a national landscape. Yeah. But we look at it when and you have to pay the guy, and it's like, oh man, this is so difficult. Let me get to some questions. We didn't even have... get to talk about Le'Veon, but yeah, that's it is a little. Listen, Mike Tomlin's just a tough. He's a tough sob. That's all I can he say. He just wants to talk about his guys that are there, and yeah. he's not going to try to waste his time. It's out of his hands, anyways. That's and, not what yeah, he does. Le'Veon can't get more money right now. I just don't think he wants to go to training camp. Right, which uh, I don't blame him. I don't blame him. Either. Oliver uh, Zufal says OBJ is the most exciting play in the, player in the league. He should be paid unreal amounts of money. Uh, our own Steve Pellegrino says Eli's contract's not off the book for another two years. Who do they? Sacrifice to pay Odell. I don't know, man. You got two hundred million dollars in that defense and five players. Yes, some of those contracts are going to have to come off the books. Cardi Horton, OBJ isn't worth twenty-five plus million per year. Uh, and then, can they even pay them amount of money? Says Michael Rodriguez. Yeah, it, it, it certainly would be tough. You know, you can't look to the future. You don't know what's going to happen two, three years down the road. You can't. I don't know what happens this year. I mean, they could lose two big defenders on their team this year to injury or whatever else. They don't end up the same. They cut them, and a huge chunk of money ends up off the cap. So, uh, regardless, we're going to be talking about this, and the Giants are going to be talking about this until this gets done. That's why I'm talking about we're talking to a team that can go and win the Super Bowl this year, and we're going to be mainly talking about one guy and his contract situation, and that is going to become annoying to the New York Giants football players and coaches. The only thing I'll say is they're used to talking about Odell, so I don't think it'll be that much of a distraction. Yeah, you're right about that. Uh, so when I was going to talk about the international aspect of Odell, mm-hmm. he was clearly hanging out with Paul Pogba this offseason, an international soccer superstar, and that's where we're going to start off with Sims Raw Reactions. I don't even know gonna... Paul Pogba? He's on Manchester United. He's freaking he's incredible. He's a new one? He's... Okay. No, he's not he's new. He was on Juventus. He's incredible. Okay. He's French. Uh, but this is Saul... Sims Raw Reactions, videos that Sims may or may not have seen. I just want your reactions right away first one Odell and Brandon Marshall just kicking around the old soccer ball in the locker room and I have a guess what Sims is going to say but take check it out Odell's just in here kicking it wearing the air maxes I saw this keeping it up all right so give me the play-by-play but this is that's the freakiest part he kept it going they didn't even show it yeah Odell Beck I love B Marsh talking there yeah (laughs) Uh, B. Marsh is the best to be in a locker room. Uh. But this is Odell, and then B. Marshall does it too. But I knew, my prediction was, I told people in the office, you're going to go on your soccer rant that if Odell would have focused on soccer, he would have been incredible. I mean, Brandon Marshall never played soccer. I mean, and he's sitting there like, Odell Beck, yes. I, I don't know how many times I want me to say it, but whatever. The majority of NFL players, yes, if you put them in soccer at the age of 10, 
I, like I always say, Messi, no E. We wouldn't know who Messi is. He wouldn't be as irre- relevant as he is when you had guys like Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham Jr. and Le'Veon Bell and Ezekiel Elliott and LeBron James in goalie yeah. and goalie and Russell Westbrook running down one wing. That We would run the world in soccer. So, yes, that's just further. I, I always think when I see Odell do stuff like this, where, whether it's kicking a soccer ball or balancing it, the control that he has over every part of his body is what makes him so special. Mm-hmm. To keep the feet in bounds, the way he moves, the way he cuts, he's a physical specimen. He really is. Speaking of men that move well, uh. second Sims raw reaction, feast your eyes, Chris, on your blood relative oh, and the gosh. dance moves oh, gosh, that it's... are Phil Sims oh, from the I saw this. This is so embarrassing. To promote the new NFL Sunday crew on CBS, the music you're hearing they got the crew out there. Nate Burleson's about to dance. Just just take us through Big Phil here. Oh, my gosh. So Nate Burleson's dancing, and then I'm, here comes Big Phil with a boombox. Oh, my gosh. That's about the only moves he's got right there. So it's a finger point to the air with like a rotation, kind of one shoulder, one shoulder. Right. So embarrassing. Your dad, uh, though, looks jacked again. He is he is jacked. Well, Dad lifts weights like he's still playing. So, uh, but man, I saw some some of my friends sent me that gift or whatever. I sent it, you, it to you sent it to me sure. too. Jeez, horrible! Right. What there. was your first thought when you saw it? Uh, I first was going, was that happening today? Like, where, where the hell? When the hell yeah. did that happen? And then I started looking in the background. I could see Nate Burleson there. So I was yeah. like, wait, this must be pretty recent. What the hell are they doing? So are you embarrassed by your dad? I am. Totally. I make fun of my dad's dancing more than anything. My dad took dance lessons with my mom. Yes. My dad took dance lessons really, I believe, only because it was my sister's wedding was coming up, and he wanted to be able to show off dancing at the wedding. How did he do? But even better, well, he was all into himself and his dancing. But the better part of the story is he broke, somebody's, he broke a woman's wrist. Stop it. Yes. That was teaching him how to dance. <laughs> no, he broke someone at the wedding's wrist, a woman, because he spinned her so hard because he's such a psycho, my father. Right? I told you about Willie Sims last week pulling all his teeth out. Yes. Which people are like, I don't know if I believe that. And my wife has gotten such a kick out. She's like, well, if they knew you or your son, they would believe So it. you're telling but, me that your dad is so intense that he spinned a woman's wrist out of her socket. Yes, and broke it at the wedding. Right. Was she like, was it like a thing? I didn't even see it happen. I don't know where it was. He must have like hit her in the corner and been like, shut up, lady. The uh, ambulance is coming. Don't tell everybody about my my Dude, the my Sims family is absurd. All right, third one <laughs> is uh, more for me. Uh, two fans came from North Dakota to Ooh. watch Carson Wentz play, and let's just say they got a little emotional oh seeing the, the great that. one in action. Be included in all this stuff. Excuse me, it's <laughs> uh, it's just great. It's a, I guess a dream, once in a lifetime maybe. It's just awesome. What made it so awesome? They're crying. Being here. Being away from North Dakota for us to be here. It's just great. That, that, thank you, ma'am. That's the problem. Awesome. That's the problem. Such a role model for our kids and grandkids. Isn't he? I agree. Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, 2020. 2020, bro. He's running for president. Talk about that. I love Carson Wentz. First of all, she said it. They got to get out of North Dakota more. Okay? I'm sorry. <laughs> And just you got to get out. You got to get out. Got to see the rest of the world. That's why you're crying because you haven't seen anything else in your life. You're like, wow, fields in another state. This is amazing. I mean, 
if you wouldn't tell me, if it didn't say like Wentz fan on the bottom, I'd be like, are those his parents? That's really like I feel like that was like the reaction like Todd Frazier got here with the Yankees when he got traded back to the Yankees and he's from New Jersey. They showed his mom and dad. They were crying like. That, that's ran, those are just two randos? Those are just two people, white boys supreme. People from North Dakota that came to Philadelphia to watch Carson Wentz. Oh, my god! He's a role model for we our are, kids. We, the world is going crazy. No, I just think that you're – it's small town USA, I know. Man. I get it. Uh, we have one more thing for Sims Raw Reaction. The New York Giants on their Instagram account posted a picture for National Sunglasses Day. I posted this on the Twitter account, and a lot of people said, so cool – that that Phil let Chris wear his old jersey for a throwback. <laughs> Take a look at this picture. Oh, baby. Sims, that is you. That's It's really more my brother, Matt Sims. A little bit. My, it's He's more Matt. Either uh, way, but, you guys all had a real big douche stage. Yeah, well, that this is so, man, there's so many things. This is before the Super Bowl in 1986. Dad's about to have, you know, and Jim McMahon styles. Yes. So they're playing on Jim McMahon, I okay. think. Okay. Also... If you heard my dad do interviews in the mid '80s, you'd go, "There's no way he has a future in TV." So, Why? Because he was he was like he was like a baseball player that never showed emotion, and like they'd ask him questions about like Lawrence Taylor, and he'd be like, "I really can't answer that. I, I really can't do it." Be, yeah, Lawrence is a good. When guy. did it That's change? Like late in his career, he started to break out of his shell. Finally, I don't know what he was doing all these years. You know, he was small town Kentucky boy, like yeah. we were just talking about with Carson Wentz. And I don't think he knew how to handle New Yorkers and the New York media. That's an awesome it. picture, though. Oh, dude. The, awesome. I mean, I had multiple people who were like, oh, Chris, way to do the throwback. And it's like, that's Phil. Damn. Uh, let's give a shout-out because we are the number one podcast for the NFL players. Let's give some congratulations to some guys that got some new deals. First up, Xavier Rhodes getting a new big Bam. contract. Third highest paid corner, now behind Tremaine Johnson and Josh Norman. Who he's better than both. Where is Patrick Peterson? Uh, Jarrell Casey getting a lot of money. Good we have been him. talking about him for years. Yep. He's been a Sims Hidden Truth, I don't know, 18 times. <laughs> uh, another Sims Hidden Truth, Everson Griffin getting yeah. a big deal. Really yeah. happy for him. Good for him. And then Eric Walden getting a contract with the Titans. And you were like, oh, man. Just a great value signing there. Eric- Talk about their pass rushers now. Yeah, well, I mean, Eric Walden, first of all, anybody, if you really dove into Colts film last year, I hate being that guy that, you know, we're diving into the film, but... Like, you and I, we watch a lot of Colts just football on TV in general. Eric Walden was the best player in the Colts' defense. Yeah. Now he's getting up there in age. I mean, I think this is going to be his 12th year in the NFL. But you talk about the super Titans. Super productive, yeah. Super. Sure. Titans, too. Watch out for the Titans. They're sneaky. I know there are a lot of people saying to watch out for them. But just O-line play. They improved the receivers. Of course, you got Mariota. They improved the secondary. And, you know, you got, you got four guys, like we've seen with the Denver Broncos, when they were successful coming off the edge, when you got Arakpo yep. and Derek Morgan. And then behind that, you have a Kevin Dodd, who you drafted early in the second round from right. Clemson. And now, uh, 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 what the hell's his name? Uh, from the Walden. Walden. Eric Walden. Literally Sorry. just started talking about uh, that. That is a phenomenal like rotation. They, they there. are officially the sleeper team that everyone's picking. Yeah, is everybody picking them too? Yeah, we picked them last year. Yeah, uh, We were right to get yeah. set in this position. Yeah, but it's Mariota. They got all the wide receivers. They got Logan Ryan. They got all the guys in the back end. Dory Jackson. Yeah, they, you know, they, they look Cyprian. good. They're in a division that... 
they think people think they can win. Yep. Uh, let's also give a salutation to the retirements. Uh, John Urschel retired after we did the podcast last week, 26. That made some waves because it was right after the concussion uh, release. And then also, he's c- clearly the smartest player in the NFL. So you put the two and two together and go, that's a statement. Rob Ninkovich retired, who I don't think people understand how important he was to the Patriots these last few years. Right. Uh, and it also kind of goes, hmm, maybe that's why they traded for Coney Ealy last year. Right. And then also the one that just happened uh, this Monday, Brandon Albert, surprise retirement, 32 years old, ninth guy, in the, ninth year in the NFL, was traded for Julius Thomas, was going to be on the Jaguars protecting Blake Bortles. Uh, there had been some reports that he was getting his ass kicked uh, just in drills and training camp. Uh, what was your take kind of on the whole Brandon Albert? Why are these retirements happening now? Right, the first thing that came to my mind with the, uh, the, the retirements and why they're now is the recent CTE. Discovery. So you do think that could be a big? I think that put the nail in the coffin for all of them. I really do. I think we're like guys Ninkovich, that are a little bit older, right? Ninkovich was kind of on the fence. He's mm. not sure. He hears that. That kind of pushes him over the edge. I feel like that's a little bit with all of them. I really do. Brandon Albert, listen, at that age, thirty-two. I saw some of those reports too, where he said he was getting pushed around. You, you, you can, if you're not careful or an extremely dedicated weight room type of guy, it is those type of offensive linemen that start to lose their legs and ass at the age of the low 30s at times and it becomes if you don't watch it belly fat and yeah, things you like about that. this guy like Dan Coppin you're saying yeah Dan Coppin the center for the the Patriots all those years I could still remember I'm there in the 2012 training camp and he'd been one of the best centers in football for six seven years in a row and the play was starting to go downhill and I think the coaches recognized that but we got the training camp and I remember he puts the pants on and I was just like man his legs don't look right right you know what I mean I was also asking you isn't there a chance that this is the time of the year where all offseason, they're convincing themselves, like, you know what, I could do it. I can get to week 14, 15. But it's training camp when you're like, shit, this is a long grind. Oh, it's the three weeks leading up to it, too. It's the anxiety of thinking about it, too, that just starts to drive you crazy. And, yeah, it becomes push, push comes a shove, and it goes, okay, are you in this? Are you ready to do it? Yeah. Because there's – I don't care how good you are – it's sacrifice, and for most guys in the NFL, other than like the great, great superstars, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's attention to detail. It's long hours, and it's beating the shit out of your body. I'm not going to get too much into this, but the Jaguars, they trade Julius Thomas, not a scheme fit, to get Brandon Albert to get a left tackle, yes. and now it looks like Cam Robinson, the rookie out of Alabama, is going to have to step in. Be- you, you have him at one side and Jeremy Parnell at the other, and I'm sitting there going, man, for a football team, it's hard to lose your left tackle. In training camp. It is really hard. And, you know, Cam Robinson, I liked him a lot coming out in the draft, for sure. I'm not sure he's a left tackle. Mm. That's the thing that I think you and I talked about with him a lot. Yeah. I thought he might translate better at guard play, but now he's going to have to get his feet going. Matt Woods says, bad choice of words, Chris. Nail in the coffin talking about CTE. Look, if you can't understand or if it's too sensitive that a football game that hurts your head that's just going to eventually lead to some issues, that's the issue. And if you can't talk about it, then that's the that's the scariest thing. It for them, it, it might be the the literal nail in the coffin. Well, I I, think, I don't want to I don't want to get that last hit. No, and I think you're thinking about uh, we're talking about three linemen, right? We're yeah. ta- three linemen who are we're finding out it's those, those are guys the ones, because yes. it's the constant 
It's the amount of thuds with the head day in, day out. Speaking of injuries, we talked about ACL epidemic. Yep. We have six thus far. I said the average the last few years have been 22 to 25. Uh, but I kind of want to go over the, the big injuries that caught my attention. Uh, Ezekiel Ansa and Jordan Reed are on the PUP. Scary. Reed was a surprise. Yeah. He just—he's so good. Yeah. And if he's hurt, it's so annoying. It's a different team. Um, Chaz Green is filling in now at left guard after Ronald Leary goes to the Denver Broncos yep. for the of Dallas Cowboys. He's out two weeks with a shoulder injury. Nothing huge. No. Just something to pay attention to. Shoulders. It's for the alignment. strength of the team. Right. It's a little bit scary, and because of the offensive lineman. Yep. Speaking of defensive lineman, Shane Ray torn thumb ligament out six to eight weeks. Yeah. And you kind of texted me and said we're used to the Denver front four being so dominant and so deep. It's not deep anymore. That's a huge blow because if you got to remember too, Sha- Shaquille Barrett's out for the next few for for a, a, a significant amount of time as well. So what was his? Uh, I want to say it was like hip or whatever. Let's okay, look, we'll, I'll look it up. You look it up. Okay, but yeah, he's out for a little bit. I think it was the hip, maybe the knee. Anyway, but now you have a Demarcus Ware retire. Okay, and you got a Barrett who's going to be start the year on pup or whatever else, and now you got Shane Ray who's off right. off the books here, out two to three months with a hip injury. Yeah, see, so that changes your team completely a team that is really predicated on what they do with the guys coming off the edge and their their ability to not only pass rush but drop into coverage and confuse you that way uh yeah that's a big wrench in their plans uh on wednesday i'm gonna break down von miller's insane off-season workout i'm interested it is a special whoa big offseason. I mean, the whoa big offseason is coming all the time, but when you hear one of the NFL's elite have people go, I've never seen him in this kind of shape before, yeah. I'll detail what he did this offseason. Gabe, we're going to get on this workout plan. I'm interested it's to hear insane. it. It's like when you read about the guys from 300, right. and you were like, I would totally lift a tire to get abs like that, like cobblestones. Von Miller's going after it. Uh, the, the other one that's a really big one that I don't think anyone's talking about, Joe Flacco's missing three to six weeks with a disc issue in his back. One, you might not have Joe Flacco to start the year, which is a big story for a team that you think has Super Bowl aspirations. I do. And two, back. We've talked about it. You say that word back, I'm already scared out of my mind. Doctor said I need a backyotomy. Uh, yeah, I mean, you got to be scared. Back as an athlete? Tell me, you know, I can just think of like, Back injuries as quarterback. Tony Romo took a while to deal yep. with. I know Ben Roethlisberger's had little b- bouts with it as well. Yes, very scary for a quarterback where your body is being asked to torque through your lower back and core almost every play to be a signif- to be a good thrower. That is something that certainly would scare me, and it would scare me that it would linger on throughout the season. Uh, and it's yeah, that's a that's a big ball, especially the year where we go, man. They finally got some weapons around Joe. Finally, and I'm excited about it. And here he is hurt. Are you more concerned with Flacco being on on being injured, or Big Ben still talking about possibly retiring? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm more. <laughs> I mean, like, why, more, is, why more, is he still talking? Yeah, about I don't get that. I'm more concerned about Flacco's injury, but yes, Big Ben. Uh, you know, listen, Big Ben's a diva. There's just no other way to put it. You and I know that. I mean, we've talked to ex Steeler players. I think you talk to ex Steeler coaches. They will all tell you he's one of the bigger divas they've ever been around. That's just the way it is. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. 
I mean, there are moments where he is absolutely incredible when guys are trying to pull him down and right. he steps up in the pocket and he shrugs off a dude and throws it 40 yards on the line. He still has those moments. But, you know, as Brett Threlkeld is asking, is this a lame duck season for Big Ben? Are we going to get what we need out of Ben to finally see the Steelers and what they're capable of? I, I Listen, I think it's really scary, and I think it's really scary, too, when you really break down Ben and the way he played towards the end of the year last year. It was not pretty. I mean, you you know, you we, we forget because they won some of those games. Right. right? It was Le'Veon's team. At it the was end Le'Veon's of the year. team, right? Like the Bills game where Le'Veon went off. Remember, Big Ben threw three interceptions Big in the ben red had zone. An awful game. He didn't play very well in either playoff game. I used that misinformation. I traded him in my fantasy league, and the guy was like, "Oh, Big Ben's great." And I'm like, "You have not been watching." No, he's been. He made some great throws down the field. Uh, that were great highlight reel type of throws, but the consistency at the position all year, no, it mm. would concern me. And him talking about retirement and having to deal with that, yeah, it tells me he's not all in. We made fun of his body a few weeks ago and how it looked at that camp. Remember you sent me the picture? Yes. So all those things would lead me to believe, you know, he's not Tom Brady. He ain't doing the little things in the offseason to worry about every little thing uh, that it takes to to be a better player. So we said the Flacco injury, and this became big news, not because of Flacco being injured, yep. but because of the other quarterbacks that could be signed. Right. It was the first time that we've seen Colin Kaepernick, through any media member, say he wanted to play there. Mike Silver, no surprise, the coolest reporter in the NFL. Yep. He's over Jay Glazer. By the way, complete aside, Ballers is the worst show on television. It's such crap. I can't even handle it. Like I was like, oh, I'm going to pay it. Like I said that last week. I'm going to try. I mean, I got The Rock riding in a, a monster truck being like, yeah, it's so bad. Anyway, Mike Silver said Colin Kaepernick wants this. And we, we've always said, why doesn't Kaepernick say he wants it? Right. Stories came out that the Ravens had actual communications with Colin Kaepernick, that they were more interested in Colin Kaepernick than RG3. Well, the Ravens signed Josh Woodrum, a quarterback who is the career passing yards leader at Liberty University. And uh, currently, the quarterback situation for the Ravens, can you name the three quarterbacks that are taking snaps at Ravens camp? Ooh, let's see. Mallet? Ryan Mallet. Oh. Josh Woodrum will be yeah, after David Olsen the... got cut. Oh, oh I, I didn't realize Olsen even got cut, so I didn't even see that. So and who was the other Dustin one? Vaughn? Dustin Vaughn, the kid from that was at Texas A&M, right? I don't know. All yep. I know is that in one of the practices, Ryan Mallett threw five interceptions, and Terrell Suggs, in front of Mallett, walked up to Marty Morningweg and said, hey, tell your quarterback to throw to the guys in the purple jerseys, right. which is a, such an amazing right. T-sizzle line. Yeah. Do they need Colin Kaepernick? Yes, he would help them out. I wouldn't trust Ryan Mallett. I'll just say that right off the bat. I so, mean, the guy that never shows up and is like an argumentative guy in the quarterback room and always feels like he's slighted no doubt and about never it. takes right. the fall for his own mistakes. And it's a West Coast offense. It's about getting the ball. And he's not quick. intelligent. Yeah, you know, and he's got a long delivery. So that all those things would concern me a little bit. Yes. Can they use Colin Kaepernick from the football standpoint? Yes. Sounds definitely. like you're working up to a butt. Well, I'm working up to a butt where, like, I want them to sign Colin Kaepernick. I really do. But if you made me put my Ozzie Newsome GM hat on. Now, there's some things to look at here. Marty Morningweg's the offensive coordinator. He's only half the offensive coordinator. Who's the other half? Greg Roman. Right. Uh, the offensive coordinator for Colin Kaepernick during all those successful years. Exactly right. So there's that there to where he can vouch or not vouch for him, whatever that may be go. Right. But I'll say this. 
I've had people say to me, well, you know, what, what's going to be the distraction? Nobody in the 49ers last year said he was a distraction in the locker room. Yeah, well, we only heard the people that supported him. You didn't hear the people that made a hated him behind the scenes. And I think the other thing, too, so if I'm Ozzie Newsome, I'm probably steering clear if I'm the Baltimore Ravens. And I know Steve that's Bichotti, really tough. Steve the owner of the Ravens, right. said we are considering him. And his direct quote, quote was, yeah. his direct quote was, please pray for us. Huh. That was what the owner said. Wow. And that they did listen and see what kind of a, of a reaction it was going to be. So if you're taking all that in, it's going to be tough. But you were saying it's going to come down to the coaches. I think so. And, and you know, listen, I, again, we only heard from the people in the, that played with him that were supporting him last year. I know there was players on that team that, were, that hated him. And really? coaches alike, yes. And to add that, and I've told you this all along, nobody hates Colin Kaepernick more than NFL coaches. Nobody. That's it's like whether I I don't care who I talk to, even other people's and other people in the in the media. Yeah. And I always go, man, I I'm always shocked by the backlash I heard about Kaepernick from other coaches, and they go, oh, it's bad, isn't I it? I interrupt you a lot on this topic because I feel like I've heard people say the same shit, and I always try and think, what kind of conversation can we have about that that people aren't having? Mm-hmm. My question for you is now this: Let's say he doesn't sign this year. And he, and he practices hard all offseason. He goes, whatever. He doesn't get signed next year. What if Colin Kaepernick is never signed again? What kind of a reaction do we think we could start to see? Will that, will, like, because there's going to be a reaction if he's signed by fans, and then the owner's going to have to deal with a split fan base, and maybe they lose season tickets and all that stuff, and there's an immediate. But what is the long term effect if Colin Kaepernick is not signed in the NFL? Mm, that's a really good question. Do you think the players, like, all the, all no. the players, do you think the Malcolm Jenkins, the outspoken guys, all the guys that stood up for Colin Kaepernick, do you think what what kind of an impact could it have on them? It's not going to have any because they're not going to cross the line. Like, it, you know, if they want they want to support them, then keep kneeling during the anthem. See how that works out for your career because they're not going to be in the league long if you keep doing that crap. It's just not going to happen. I'm sorry for all the reasons we said. I really think again. I think we've seen it. It's over for Colin Kaepernick in my eyes. I really do. This is his last hope. The Ravens, John Harbaugh, you're, brother you're of Jim. Incorrect. You're wrong. Think I'm going to see another one? His best hope is in two to three weeks, and he needs quarterbacks to get hurt. Oh, yeah, right. We are not going to root for that. We are yeah. a players first podcast, but we also want to see Kaepernick. You know, get a chance. They're going to go out of their way to avoid him, though, man. But if if the Seahawks or the Ravens, because those are the top two, or maybe the Panthers, if Derek Anderson got hurt, God forbid, mm-hmm. or if some of these Raven guys got hurt, or some of the Seahawks, you got to call them. Yes, you have to. I mean, I would, certainly. I just don't think, like, no, the Carolina Panthers are not calling him, man. Like, the, Jerry Richardson is not no. calling Colin Kaepernick. No. Sorry. There's just no way. It's Seattle, maybe. It's Seattle and Baltimore. Because Bishotti, I've seen people like Amy Trask come out and say Biscotti or Bishotti is someone that has already kicked the tires and he's interested and he, sure. he gets it and he's super smart. Yes. Um, you know what I'd love to happen It will never happen? The Patriots. It'll never happen because if anyone's really offended, it's definitely Bill Belichick. Uh-huh. But isn't it funny that – think about this, guys, out there. If Bill Belichick signed Colin Kaepernick right now, everyone would be like – Man, you know what? Everybody made a mistake. Everybody made a mistake not signing Colin Kaepernick. Now he's going to turn into a Super Bowl champion, man. Like, Bill Belichick is the ultimate validity. Uh, you know Shanahan, there's any chance he's going back to 49ers? No, I don't think so. No. 
You know, I just again they, they've dealt with it, so I don't think they want to deal with What's it anymore. What's so funny is we have been sitting up here for two to three years I talking about the backup quarterback market yeah. and how they get rid of guys four to five years. Like it's like the running back market; they get rid of talented guys four to five years before they should right. because of this bullshit. No one wants to compete with each other. But now, because it's Colin Kaepernick, it's being seen as uh, it's it's being magnified to a, to a I feel race like degree. I have seen articles lately though that about like when did it become. Uh, the fad thing to not have talented backups in the NFL. And That's it's been for sure. that way. For I didn't tell years. you this. I meant to say Five this years. when we had Kyle Shanahan on the podcast. So a few days before the podcast, I was setting it up right, calling him. Hey, we're going to do this podcast Wednesday. Can you come on? Sure. Blah, blah blah. He was faced. He FaceTimed me right, and my little boy heard me talking to Kyle. So he like kind of grabbed the phone and looked. And I go, oh, "That's Kyle." And it was like yeah, he's the new coach of the 49ers. And my little boy goes in the phone. Tell him I think number seven Kaepernick's a really good quarterback. <laughs> and him and his wife laughed. It was hilarious, but it was great timing. That's incredible timing. <laughs> I like that your your son knows guys' numbers. First. Oh, he's all on the numbers. Like when I hear real football guys start talking to each other. Yeah. Like when I heard Ike Taylor interviewing Mike Tomlin, he's like, "Tell me about thirty out there. How's thirty yeah, look?" That, and I'm that, like, "Just call him James Conner." That's how football is talk. It's, um, it's numbers or initials. Are we going to become a 49ers fan podcast? Like, are we going to openly root for the 49ers? Like, I think if we if we tell everybody we're going to grade them just as hard as everybody else, like, yeah. we're, I'm harder on the Eagles than I am on any sure. team, are we going to become a Niners fan podcast? Yeah, we are. Bit. We yeah. are. I mean, I feel like we're already, like, the Bay Area bandwagoners as it is because we could both root for the Raiders, like, uh, through our experiences with them. Yes. But, yeah, I am going to be rooting for the 49ers more weekends than not. Yes. Uh, Daniel Grant Varner says Bill Belichick is the Greg Popovich of the NFL. Aram Zorer says, no, Greg Popovich is the Bill Belichick of the NBA. Which one is it? Uh, he's the Bill Belichick of the NBA. So Belichick is the precedent center. Yes. I think so. I think and what Belichick has done is harder. No doubt about it. That's exactly what I would have said. Uh, so, speaking of quarterbacks not liking competition, did you hear that John Gruden is not only up for coaching positions, but that he's ready? I got a quote for you that you're going to love. Quote, I'm preparing myself to come back. I am. Every day, I'm preparing to come back. I get angry when people ask me. What do you think, Chris, about John Gruden coming back? Listen, John is great at hyping himself. There's no doubt about that. He is a great offensive mind. He's still he's still definitely worthy of being head coach material in the NFL. Okay. Two things though. Yes, he's great at hyping himself. His agent Bob Lamont, I mean his nickname is the NFL, in the NFL is the hype machine, all uh. right? So Bob Lamont, they do a great job of always driving up the prices on ESPN so they can get a new contract and a few more dollars. I do think he wants back in. I do think that. He burned a ton of bridges around the NFL. There's only about five people in the whole league that like him. That's why I believe he kisses everybody's ass during the game. Who are the places that trying, still like him? Uh, you know, I, you're, you know, like Mike Tomlin likes him, or I'm just thinking. I know there's a few people out there that still yeah, like him. He doesn't but need coaches to no. like him. He needs GMs he, to like and him. Right. He needs GMs and owners alike. Because the GM is going to go. I'm bringing Gruden in. I'm not going to get credit for anything anymore. There's no doubt. There's definitely, and he's butted heads with those people. He's butted heads with owners and owners. Has meetings. he been away from the game for too long? I don't think so. I mean, you know, I I go right back to a guy from your city and Dick Vermeil. He took a even longer. Extended I always expect this. for you to shit on Gruden. And you never do. Well, I mean, what like, you, I thought you were going to be like, this is stupid. Well, I'm not going to say it's stupid. Like, 
I, I don't ever. I'm never going to shit on John Gruden. He taught me a lot of football. I had a lot of good times with him. Why do I always hear that John Gruden is interested in coaching positions when they've all been filled and not in January and February yeah. when they're actually open? Yeah. Well, I think at times he works that angle a little more than people realize. I mean, we we hear about it a little. I do think he's looking for that perfect spot. Like I, I think if. The Colts job came up this year. He would have been all in on the Colts because Andrew Luck was there, and he wouldn't have right. to worry about that. You know what information I wish I had? Right. When is his talent contract up? I bet you if his talent contract is up in August yeah. that you have this conversation every August to get more money from ESPN. Yeah. I just don't know how many times you can keep re-upping because that's well, what I think he's always well, doing. Well, he's great He's great at his job. Let's say that. He is great. He is. He's awesome at that. Um and, you know, listen, he's, he's a psycho anyway, so him preparing. Now, do I believe he's in his office at 4 a.m. in the morning? No. I mean, I used to make fun of him for that because the few mornings that I got to the one-buck plays back in the day at like 5 in the morning or 5.15, John Gruden was pulling in with me. So he obviously wasn't in there at 3.30 or 4 in the morning, like he was saying. Uh, but regardless, he's an extremely hard worker. He loves the game. And he does do his due diligence. There's no doubt about that. He's going to work and study. Do you think he'd relate out. to players now? I do. Okay. I do think he would relate to players. He's good. He's good like that. Yes. How much would you pay him? Um. Well, he's a Super Bowl winning co- coach that's shown me he can do it, and he had success. I mean, yeah, you're going to pay John Gruden somewhere between six and eight million dollars a year if he comes back. Man. Yeah. Good I don't know. Change. It's. I. I wouldn't want him as my head coach. I think there's a lot of teams that feel that way. Uh, let us, oh, by the way, about the Belichick and, uh, what's his name? Popovich. Uh, Richie Gribich says, oh, don't worry. They're just both Croatian geniuses. That's right. No doubt. Just some Croatian sensations. All right. I, I have a question for you, Sims. It's about how to react to events in training camp. Mm -hmm. I hear this in summer league. When a guy plays well, it's summer league. Who's he playing against? When he plays bad, don't worry. It's only summer league. Right. Few things happened this weekend. Bad things. Uh-huh. Blake Bortles threw three, through five interceptions in a practice under the lights in the first practice. Enough that Doug Marone came out and said, "I'm concerned." Mitchell Trubisky fumbled four snaps in two days and came out and his quote was so lacking confident, being like, "I don't know what happened. It was so crazy. I couldn't get it under. And then it got in my head." Which I'm like, "Shut up." Yeah. Then I see Patrick Mahomes marches. 80 yards in a two-minute drill in four plays and looked incredible. How many of these things should I be like, oh, that's a big deal? Because I feel like it just it, it confirms my bias. Like, if it came out that Blake Bortles threw five touchdowns, I'd be like, it's training camp. But five interceptions, i go, they're screwed. Well, that's more, there's more value to that. You're right, though. I mean, five t- first of all, I wasn't shit. I never threw five interceptions in a practice. In fact, I could say I was never with a quarterback ever that threw five interceptions. So that is in a, a big deal to you. To me, a fourth-year veteran, and you're going day one training camp, and they probably played the same freaking defense all day. Yeah, and you have plays that should be like he knows like the back of his hand. No, should never happen. Never. I mean, that's that's concerning. Um, am you I gonna, go through a five interception, and then your starting left tackle retires. I'm not like going to make like thing. my final judgment off that, right. but that is concerning. Yes. Now the other guys, Trubisky, he's young. I was more concerned with what you said there. The post game, the post practice interview was concerning. It was not very alpha ish, and 
me knowing, you know, of course, people in the NFL, I think that was one of the things that people were worried about with Trubisky is that he wasn't just that kind of take command alpha male type of guy. His talents are alpha male-ish, but they didn't believe his his personality was, and you kind of see that there. Yeah, uh, It reminded me of almost like Jared Goff when we met him coming out. We were just like, damn. You know, come on, just show a little charisma. You know, I hey, I messed up. Yes. I dropped, I've been in the shotgun for four years. I'm an idiot. I'm going to get better. And then you just go on. Everybody like, yeah, hey, he's got his head on straight. Exactly. Instead of being like, oh, by, by the way, uh, to, to an aside, I read that Sean McVay is spending most of his times at practice in the quarterback mm-hmm. group. Yeah. And, and a lot of people might be like, no, focus on the team. Here at the Sims and Lefko podcast, if that's your specialty, yes. do your specialty. Jared Goff needs to be good for that to work. Yeah. The last one, Pat Mahomes. And Sean McVay's not going to add like help to the defensive lineman gonna, during exactly. practice. He might in the meeting after. Uh, Mahomes, yeah. it, was, it was one really nice throw across the middle, yeah. a nice little dump-off, dump-off, and then play action, and he ran it in. Right. Should I be getting too excited no, about that? I don't think you should be. It's a good sign, certainly. Uh, he is the one that I've told you. I think he's going to be the one that's going to secretly challenge him because yes. I'm sitting here watching him before we get on air here, too. He's throwing bombs all over the practice field on the NFL Network, too. So that uh, to me, again, it's early. It's encouraging to hear. I'm not putting all my yes. stock into it. And But, again, he is one of those guys. I'm just telling you, as camp goes on and he keeps making more and more it's throws. It's going to be harder and harder. They're going to just – players are going to start to go, damn, 15's a player, man. 15's a player. Uh, speaking of NFL Network, uh, I know that you just got a real kick out of Heath Evans. Uh, Heath Evans went up there and they had him predict the Seattle Seahawks schedule. Oh my God. And they put up the schedule from last year and he predicted it and they didn't realize it. I'm disappointed in all of them. All of them. The network, the league, Heath Evans. How do you not pick that up? I mean, I was, you, yeah. You said that if you saw the schedule, you'd be like, "No, I know they played the Dolphins' I mean, first game of the year." Right away, Alice. I'm not trying to say I got all the answers to all the things, but I certainly know who played who last year, and I would have gone, "Hmm, that's last year's schedule." I mean, that and whoever's producing the damn show. I mean, you don't check the damn schedule. Who the hell's doing things over there? Yeah, they've s- had a number. Oh man, I mean, they've had wrong pictures on NFL.com of like black front office people, and they put the wrong name under it, and nobody really notices. They call him like Ray Farmer. I feel like the NFL.com puts every black front office guy they put Ray Farmer underneath his name. <laughs> uh, apparently, you were on NFL Network. Uh, Five hundred Mo on Twitter wrote us. They got some vintage Gruden Sims play calls on NFL Network right now. You couldn't spit the play out right. It was Viper something. Damn, I know. Do you Shit. remember that one? I do. Shit. What was it? Uh, Viper right, shift to weak right, tight, Y right, H3X, bingo, Y smash on one. And then what did you What did you do? <laughs> Say it again, coach. <laughs> Wait, one more time. And he, you know, so he set me up. We were. He always mic'd the quarterbacks. He had Sable. Dude, that's the thing about Gruden that I've always thought he was a little overrated. Was I thought he manipulated the media perfectly? Well, he's good. I've always told you the booms were like during the Super Bowl were incredible. Yeah, what he how he would mic himself up, how he's played post retirement. Right, Gruden plays the media so well. So you're saying that he mic'd you up in practice and he played you on purpose? He, he did. He definitely did. And it was good in good in good fashion. Like so, I'm the rookie, and I usually, of course, his plays were extremely wordy. Right. I mean, we could have we could have like plays where you go bunch right zebra counter orbit we're gonna go on dummy snap count bunch right zebra counter orbit we're gonna go 200 jet smoke y spacing cannon with 98 bunch crunch 
Apple 314 hammer, dummy snap count on one. That would be like one play. So, yeah, you would have a hard time spitting them out, especially when I came from Texas where we had like nine plays in our whole playbook and we just re-ran them every game. So I go there. You probably got a sick rush out of you not getting it. Oh, well, so he would give me a list of plays the night before to go, like, these are your plays, be ready them, be prepared for them tomorrow. And he would mic the quarterbacks only because he wanted to hear them in the huddle. Right, so it was he was doing it for the right reasons. He right. wanted to hear all the quarterbacks in the huddle, how they talk to guys, blah blah blah. So he had us mic'd, and then, you know behind the scenes, I think he's having a laugh with Brad Johnson, of course, going listen. You know, well, I'm going to get him here, and he gave me a play I wasn't ready for. Uh, Peter Edwards asked us on Twitter. Uh, by the way, on Facebook right now, uh, load up the comment section with questions. I'll get to as many as I can. Peter Edwards says, "Is Xavier Rhodes actually the third best corner for that contract?" I'm, I'm glad somebody asked that. I actually just want I wanted to get in that conversation. Yes, he's. In the discussion there, for sure. Okay. He definitely is. He is definitely in the discussion for one of the five best corners in all of football. He has got great length. He's got good long speed. Who else got, is up there for you? Uh, you know me. Jalen Ramsey's in that conversation. Akeem Talib is the best corner in football so in my Akeem eyes. So Akeem is one. Is Patrick Peterson two? Patrick Peterson's probably two. Jalen Ramsey would probably be my third. Wow. Yeah. Jalen Ramsey. I, you Over know Richard I Sherman. I know they're a little bit older. Yeah, but I mean, I'm these going Jalen Ramsey, Marcus, Marcus Peters. Peters. I'm going those that after that. And then we're going to get in the discussion between Xavier Rhodes, Chris Harris Jr., right. Janoris Jenkins. Okay, so he's in that second to top tier. He is. That makes sense yep. that to get that much money. And then Ben Rosen asks, I want to believe in Sean McVay. Is he as good as Kyle Shanahan and Adam Gase? Well, I don't think he's as good as Sean Kyle Shanahan, but I'm jaded, so you can't ask me that totally. But I have tremendous faith in Sean McVay. He is very good. Uh, you know, I've known him for a number of years. Kyle always raved about him. And then even me being last year at Washington, uh, the Redskins camp and seeing him in action. Now, he's all over it. He's, he's got a lot of mini Gruden in him. It's, yeah. It is funny. I know people have compared him to that. But his energy is like that. Yep. He'll be all over the details. He's going to improve that offense. Some other uh, cornerbacks coming in. Josh Norman and Darius Slade Jr. Ooh, yeah, they're in that conversation as well. But I, don't th- I think they're in the second tier. I don't think they're with gotcha. that first group that I talked about. A lot of people are asking about Malik McDowell and his off-the-field injury Damn. possibly out for the year. That's that's a big blow for a team that has been trying to get front seven guys. Yes. Mario Edwards, Malik McDowell, the Raiders, they just can't stay healthy. No. And they got run on again last year. Yes. They've had a rough run defense now for the last two years, and I don't know if their offense is going to be as explosive as it was Talking last year. Seattle, first of all. Malik. Oh, excuse yes, me, excuse me, Seattle. Right. But they need more front seven guys, too. They do, yes, no doubt about it. It's, it's scary. And, I mean, you and I, you know, we were, I think, very unimpressed by the film of Malik McDowell in the draft, but his physical talent is there. He's a physical freak in a lot of ways, and I thought he could be one of those guys that could be like an under-the-radar breakout star. That is a big blow to them because it just takes another guy off the rotation for them. All right, keep filling up the Facebook comments. I want all of your questions. This one from Sean Bennett. Did you hear about uh, David Price when he called out Hall of Famer Dennis Eckersley on the plane? No. Oh, uh, It was like a story back. Uh, they were on the plane. He was like, oh, Dennis thinks he knows what he's doing. He, like, he was in there coaching, and he like called him out and yelled at him. And Sean Bennett asked, would that fly in the NFL, a player like calling out a coach like that and talking shit and saying, get the hell out of my face and all that stuff? No, it would not. I mean, they, all, they definitely wouldn't fly. I mean, it's... Uh you know, the NFL, like we've always said, it's just more of a military 
aspect. You take your commands, you shut your mouth, you go. If you're on the field, you want to talk trash and do that, that's your time to be boisterous. But, yeah, the, the guys that talk back to the coaches, they have the shortest shelf lives in the NFL. I've only seen one guy be able to talk back to coaches a little bit, and that's Warren Sapp. And he was in year like nine of his career right. and already going to the Hall of Fame. But I can still remember we're playing Tennessee my rookie year, Lefko. Tennessee, Steve McNair, they're really good. They're like one of the best teams in football. We have a down year. They're running the ball on us with Eddie George, and they run a stretch play over to our sideline and get a few yards. And like I think Sapp's supposed to make the play or whatever. And, and Monty Kiffin's kind of bitching about Sapp on the sideline. And he's about to yell at Sapp. And I could still remember Sapp looking at him and going, hey. And he just goes, shh, like that with his hands. And Monty just be quiet, and he walked away. And that was it. And that was about as much as you're going to get talkback-wise. Or maybe a quarterback offensive coordinator heated exchange. Uh, Sal Primojita, our resident Raiders fan, is asking if Donald Penn's going to get a new deal done. Damn. That is a secret little holdout brewing right now. And they just cut, what's his name, Austin... Uh, the other tackle, Austin uh, Howard. Yes, they did. All of a sudden, that Raiders offensive line might be an issue if, that, if your boy Donald Penn doesn't get money. Totally an issue. I'm going to pull up their roster real quick while we're talking about it. But, you know, I think he knows he's got them. He knows he also, like a Brandon Albert we saw in Jacksonville, he knows he's coming to the end of his career, so he's trying to hit one more payday. Yeah, like to that point, you keep looking at whatever you're looking yeah. up. Rob Ninkovich is retiring, and I looked it up. In 11 years, he made $23 million. He made half of the money in his career in the last three years and you think about these guys that play their entire careers I would just assume Rob Ninkovich has made more than 23 million dollars in his career yeah and when you see realize that he made 12 in the last three right it was a collection of six hundred thousand dollar checks which is a good amount of money but for an NFL player you're like man you really got a budget for the rest of your life yes you do uh it yes that's it's it's concerning when you really start to break them down to as far as Donald Penn yeah I mean first of all they got Marshall Newhouse who Nobody in Green Bay wanted him. Nobody here in New York wanted him. I'm not him. getting excited about no. that. And I know there's some history there between McKenzie and him in the Green Bay situation. But now you're going to have to worry about guys like, I mean, yeah, you're going to have to get guys like uh, Vidal Alexander in the in the conversation for tackle play. You're going to have guys playing positions maybe that and they're not comfortable. And you have to save for Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper. Yes. I know. Deep pen, he'll be there. He'll be there. They're gonna. They'll sweeten the pot for him. I would bet. I tried to call him. I must have changed his number. Just move some of his money to guarantee. That's what so I mean. You're not they'll changing the money. Just give him some around. Money now. Right. Exactly. Right. They need him, and they have the room. They have the money to do it. So don't cheap out, especially in a year where here you are. You're you're Super Bowl caliber. Uh, and then the last one, we'll do Kevin Lee Rogers. Do you see feature back potential out of Ty Montgomery? Did you see the pictures of him recently? He's yeah. got some Michael Pittman arms. Yes. Um, feature. Yes, he's a feature back. Is he going to be a top end feature back in the NFL? I don't think so. I think like if we had to rank the thirty two best running backs in the football, Ty Montgomery is going to be somewhere between twenty and thirty two when okay. we're all said and done. But certainly good enough to get it done. His quarterback makes him look really, really darn good. All right, coming up on Wednesday, we are going to go through Von Miller's absolutely crazy workout and his trainer that is known as. Hell's Trainer. I have a uh, nightclub bill that got passed off by two NFL players. That's a funny one to get to. And whoa, big offseason is coming back. I like to save the weird shit for Wednesdays. I still Wednesdays. can't believe you didn't see John Bones Jones throw his left cook, uh, left kick to the head of... Uh, John Bones Jones. Yeah. Is he the, is he the scariest dude in the world? Uh, no. If you were lined up, no, you'd probably go with I, like... 
Indomitian Sioux. Yeah, Fletcher Cox or Indomitian Sioux, I'm running. Uh, also, guys, Mister, Mister, uh, help me for the podcast coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, we just interviewed Jadavian Clowney today. Yeah, I interviewed Gronk last week. Those two interviews will be coming soon. We'll let you know officially when they're coming out. But thank you as always. Hit us up on iTunes. Leave that five star review and comment. I'm reading them all on Wednesday. Get them in now. Enjoy your next two days for Sims. Peace out, homies. For Fendrick, somewhere in the world, I'm Lefko. We'll holler at you guys.